0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm coming to you today with two of our top guns. We have a lot going on today. We've got Andrew Geiger, casual Hoya himself, and Nationwide Nolan. Um, Guys, real quick, let me set the table. What's going on? Uh, We are recording this on Wednesday, January 26th. Yesterday, January 25th. Felt like the longest three weeks on Georgetown Twitter ever, and it was only in one day. First of all, everyone wakes up, and we notice that Myra Medcalf on ESPN.com. Georgetown is the top story. Patrick Ewing is the picture. Um, things aren't going great, so you knew it was not going to be the best all-time article for the program. But I'd argue that it was pretty good. That they're still relevant enough that people care and they notice. Also. People were still, a lot of the fans, a lot of the students particularly, but a lot of the fans were still trying to figure out what Patrick Ewing Jr. said, what he meant to say, why he said it on our good friend Gene Smith's podcast, Toya Locker Room. And then obviously, as we got to the end of the day, we had probably Georgetown's worst performance since the internet became a popular thing. Um, You know, basically could not do anything against Connecticut. They were 17-point underdogs and the game didn't game was even worse than that. Okay? So that's basically where we are right now. Georgetown is 6 and 11. They are and 6 in the Big East. This is their worst start ever. They've lost 7 straight overall going back to the TCU game. Hopefully I didn't forget anything. What's up guys? <laughs> uh yeah, no. I
1: I don't think you forgot anything. Um and it was certainly a lot to go over. I mean, I think we are at the point now. Um just from my observations of, of what's going on with, with Hoya's Twitter and in speaking with fans who are not on Twitter, it things are seeming eerily similar to how they were uh, back towards the end of the, the JT3 regime. Um, you know, I, I think that the difference is, from my perspective, is that towards the end of the JT3 era, a lot of the noise was being made by the fans. Um, you know, whether it's been on our site, uh, other places, people were creating Snapchat filters and whatnot. Um, this go around, it's odd. You know, you had the Washington Post piece followed up by the the ESPN piece. Um, it, it's more of a, a national focus. And maybe that's just because it's, it's Patrick Ewing and he's going to get more clicks, uh, for, from those types of pieces. But, you know, big picture, it does seem that the, ewing era is perhaps winding down Uh, i mean unless this team is going to be able to turn things around pretty quickly but based on last night's performance and really what they've done since the big east conference schedule
0: started it doesn't look like that's going to happen nolan obviously we had the post piece over the weekend which i thought was it was probably you know it was overdue it was needed I didn't think it was necessarily too hard or it, you know it didn't it didn't seem like it hit like the ESPN one is, is is there something to you that that sticks out I mean that you know I thought Myra Metcalf, who I m- I remember when when he was there thinking ooh I wonder what this is going to be and it took a while for this to come out obviously it's a very long piece that involves a lot of you know moving parts Nolan is there something what is it that sticks out to you most in that? And how surprised were you that Georgetown was, a, you know, the top of the main page for college basketball on ESPN.com? It is.
2: I'm surprised at the timing. I would have thought, you know, maybe mid-February. Because, I mean, you can debate the merit of it all you want, but coming off a of Big East championship, you would think there'd be a little bit more leeway on the timeline. But at the same point, we have hit a low point we've never encountered before. I mean, it's not – it's objectively the lowest point of the program in 40 years. Um, Fifty. Fifty, yeah. So its it, it just feels like the timeline has sped up here to where it's um, – this week especially, you know, beyond the encore stuff, which was miserable, um, that we're at a point now where it feels
0: like it's kind of the point of no return. Andrew, in going off what Nolan just said, I totally agree that I think it's a little bit earlier than I thought, but, and I think we had, actually, I think it was the podcast that never got released because John's audio was just really poor. I think Ewing sped this up by giving those quotes so early into the season. Like, he he gave, you know, guys like Metcalf such an easy way to write something like this in going after that Marquette loss to just, you know, everyone's on notice, this big John's rolling in his grave. It seems like Ewing sped this up.
1: You know, I think a lot of those comments, and even the comments of, of Ewing Jr., uh, you know, this week about the fans, I mean, I think a lot of that is born out of frustration. And whether it's it's frustration at um, what's going on on the floor or off the court. I mean, I know they've been dealing with a lot with COVID, but really, so is everybody else, right? I mean, it, it, there's nothing unique that this program has faced that any other school hasn't, other than arguably things that they've brought upon themselves. I mean, the biggest issue with you know Ewing's kind of management of the program has been the the, the amount of players that have left and, and transferred, and ultimately that's that falls on him, right? I mean, it's interesting here in New Orleans. Just yesterday, you had Sean Payton, you know, step down as Saints coach, and he did it gracefully, and everybody loved him. Like he went out the right way, and no one would blink an eye if Ewing did that same sort of thing, you know, at the end of this season, right? Everyone loves Patrick Ewing. There's no one, there's no Georgetown fan that you'll ever talk to that feels any different, and it's weird, you know, on Twitter, if you if you say anything against the program or, you know, you, you start questioning the coach, everyone's like, oh, man, you don't respect Ewing and everything he did for Troy. That's not, that's not the case at all. No one wants Ewing to fail. Everybody wants him, you know, to succeed. And that's why everyone was so happy, not just Georgetown fans, but also across the the national media scape after the Big East tournament last year. I mean, it was a love fest for him. But now it, there's just – there aren't any signs of progress. And unfortunately – not only are there not any signs of progress, but you can see visible regression um and when you look to the future it's just, it's not getting any better um so yeah that that's a long way of getting around that um I think the timeline has sped up, and it we're only six weeks six games into the, the biggest conference play, and um it's just gonna get worse, isn't it i mean it, how is this team gonna win a game? Uh, well uh, a uh, team
0: uh, called Butler exists
1: (laughs) they
2: waxed us I I think to Andrew's (laughs) point about you know the COVID issues and I think the program has become so insulated they don't even realize how bad it is and I think that's the scary part is I I just think they've become so detached from even their own fans like it's like I said it's the worst it's ever been and nobody's disrespecting the program or the legacy of Patrick or John Thompson to say, Hey, this isn't working. I mean, and I think as a fan base, we're, we're more tame than any other fan base, at least in the big East, they have to have some accountability. And for me to hear Patrick Ewing Jr. Say that this week, I mean, I think that dumped gasoline on the fire to say, Hey, and Gene asked, Part of what he said was were the words of encouragement and then just to go into, well, we need better support from fans. Like you have to offer some accountability there and it's
0: just to not even get that this week is it's
2: disheartening.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I wanted to say a couple more things about the article, but it's hard not to just bounce back and forth to what before this article came out, there was already enough just to talk about with Patrick Ewing Jr., and you know, Gene's done a good job. I think his podcast started during the pandemic, and you know he's continued it. And he's gone. A, you know, he's had basketball. He's had non-basketball stuff. He's had so many people on because of who he is. Um, him and um, uh, the student manager, the, for, well, the, the former manager St- Stansberry, that um helps him. Is it, that you know, obviously Patrick Ewing Jr. is you know Patrick Ewing's son, and he's one of he's also one of the all-time greats at Georgetown. Um, you know, not obviously as big as his father, but he played a big part of, you know, the last really great Georgetown teams. And, you know, now he is part of the program, uh, uh, the director of alumni relations or something like that. You know, he's, he's with the team and he had the, you know, for all the times that we complain that we wish that there was more access to the team and we heard more stuff. And and then for this to come out where, when he was asked that question by Gene and Stansbury, he could have said you know look we're not where we want to be but you know the fans that are coming out are doing a, you know incredible job and we do need to get better but you know part of that's on us and there's a relationship between success and fan support you have to you have to realize that and it, it's it seemed as though he didn't and this is Patrick Ewing Jr who He's never had to support a program from the fan side, right? He's been an incredible athlete through high school, through college. He played professional NBA a little bit and overseas. He doesn't have that perspective. And from my standpoint, obviously, the normal season ticket holders are down. But when the students are in in session, they're actually doing a really good job. It just seemed like there couldn't have been a worse time to say that. It, it just, it just, you know, the Australian Open's going on right now. Just what an unforced error. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Well, and what's it been, 72 hours or so, three, four days, like
2: to not hear back from anybody and say, hey, let me explain. You know, we're trying our best. We also want you guys to support us. To not even hear that after, I mean, they're aware of the kind of the firestorm that created. To me, right. that speaks volumes
1: to not even hear a follow-up on it.
0: Andrew, as a former yeah, I mean, I mean, student.
1: To, well, to to Ewing Jr.'s credit, he, he has been really good. Um... Vis-a-vis alums. Uh, he he does come to a lot of hoop club events. Uh, you know, he yeah. participates in those zooms. If there's actually anyone that's associated with the program that is really good with connecting the program to uh, alums, it's him. So I, I'm going to give him the benefit of it out there. I, I, I think the undercurrent of what he was trying to say is is correct. I mean, yes, we, we need more fans, right? We need more rabid fans. Um, I just think the timing of, of what he said and just kind of how he worded it was a little off-putting, but he's not wrong. I mean, if if we want to be a top tier program, we have to pack the arena and, you know, that, that's a whole other ball of wax, whether that can ever happen, but, you know, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's taking a lot of criticism perhaps warranted, you know, from, from current students and, and such who, who have gone to the games, especially during the pandemic um, to see a product that's, not good um
0: but let's yeah or or to to uh, characterize what what's going on now is a skid I think is a struggle I I guess like I mean this is completely it's so small but like on like the adult soccer team I run like when like let's say like I don't have like our all of our best players aren't coming it's like oh man you know it's a bummer and I learned a long time ago that you know let's say the game is over and you're like, oh, you know, we were missing so-and-so, so-and-so. You focus on, like, who's there. You're like, hey, guys, great game. We almost won. We play again next Wednesday. You don't focus on, oh, well, if, you know, you know, if Clay had been here and Billy had been here, then we we would have won because then that makes the people that, that showed up feel like shit, right? So you you don't want to make the people that are showing up during a bad time to feel bad. And I think that's what happens, even if his overall point might be that, they do need more fan support. You just can't. And he went back to when he was being recruited. So he's kind of like, you know, he's, this is like 20 years of Georgetown fans that he feels isn't that great. It just seems like you need to make sure that the people that are continuing to support feel good about it and then try and figure out ways to get other people there. And I just took it as being like a really poor way to get that point across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, w- without
1: focusing on on that, I think what's really more important is <laughs> what what's going on with the team's performance. I I watched that that UConn game last night, and you know, as Nolan alluded to, it, it's it's really never been worse, right? I mean, they UConn's good, but they're not great by by any means, and they got anything they wanted. Uh, we had really no semblance of anything on offense offensive defense. The only reason the game was even close was because we were lights out from three in the first half. Um, but that had 20 point loss written all over it from the get go.
0: Um, well, I mean that, well, yeah, Vegas can palm everybody that, I mean, yeah, but that's, so is that's, you know, if, if you take a step back, is, is that
1: something that's acceptable for the program? I mean, why should we ever be the fact that we're a 15
0: point dog to, to UConn, tells you really all, everything you need to know, right? Nolan, I I think I got tagged. I think Andrew got tagged. I know you're big into the Ken Palm analytics. I mean, weren't were you saying that right now, George, that was one of their worst games, I guess, like I said, since the Internet, and right now they have the worst defense in Big East history?
2: Dating back to 2002, and that, as far as program history goes, that was a single individual game of low point. And you think about all the teams, dating about the 2002 in the Big East, some pretty dreadful Rutgers teams, DePaul, South Florida, and you are the low point there. It's and that pro, this program, what it's always been built on, is the defense, and to just see that fade away to a point where it's just at an all-time low in the Big East, it's it's kind of mind-boggling, and it's. I mean, it feels like you kind of caught lightning in a bottle for the last month last year. And other than that, it's been five years of just being totally disorganized on that end of the floor.
0: You know, at one point last night, they showed all of the coaches that Patrick had played for. I don't think it was the coaches that he had been an assistant for in the NBA, just that he played for. And, you know, that you got, you know, Pat Riley and Van Gundy and Chuck Daly with the Dream Team. And I know in the last couple of years, I've asked him questions that, you know, because he talked about all these mentors he had, and I'd said, like, have you consult with them or, you know, this and that. And you you don't really get a lot from him in that department. I think he's very prideful and wants to feel like he can do all this stuff. He can take what he's learned and he can do it. But it is hard to look at those lists of names, you know, obviously Thompson himself and all those names and to have them be, you know, the only two real consistence of the program since Patrick's taken over are transfers and poor defense, right? I mean, like, I, I don't. I know that that sounds harsh, but I don't think I'm being too harsh. Those have been kind of the two staples that we can count on. And that's what's so shocking that, and it's not just Patrick, it's the staff, right? I mean, this staff, for whatever reason, together cannot get it done. And I'm, I'm surprised, given all of Patrick's experience and resources, that they haven't been able to come up with some, you know, trying something different, even coming out in the 3-2 zone or, I don't know, some some sort of junk defense to just change things. It, it I think it's just so crazy to associate a Patrick Ewing and a Georgetown and also, also a team that can't play any team defense. Well, Bobby, it, the odd
2: part to me with that is when Orr was in control there for two games, that yeah. first half against Butler, when he threw out that zone, to me, that was the most resistance, you know, and just changing the game up. You showed all year, and it, I thought it was fairly True. effective until the game got out of reach. And now – we haven't seen it since. It's just kind of odd to me.
1: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with, with with any of that. I think Ewing's biggest fault, which is also something that he deserves credit for to an extent is, is loyalty. Um, the, the staff hasn't changed uh, because he's undoubtedly loyal to them, but the the problem there is that it's not working.
0: <laughs>
1: so, if he's not willing to make a change,
0: then I mean someone's gonna have to fall on that sort, and I think it's it's gonna be him again, big emergency podcast, Andrew, I think one of the last times I tweeted on on this thread of asking for questions was that, gosh, how many emergency podcasts have we done since this pod was born in the summer of twenty nineteen I don't know what 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 we're on to now. It's definitely been a couple going back to that e s p n article which I recommend if you haven't read it, I don't know what planet you're on one of the tones of the article for me was, I think Patrick comes across as a sympathetic character in this article. Even if you're a hardcore Georgetown fan and you're disappointed, it's hard to read, you know, to read it and not feel some empathy for him. But one of the biggest things I think before we start answering some of these questions, and I know everyone wants, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people are asking about coaching change and candidates and this and that, is what's going on structurally at Georgetown? Because when they talk about Big John, a one-man search committee, that's where it kind of starts and stops for me. Obviously, Big John has passed, but, you know, does this athletic department that in a lot of ways is Patriot League in just the size of their school and who kind of their peers are, that's, that's where they play their football, you know, I know Paul Tagliabue was part of some committee that they said, and, you know, somehow they, you know, the best candidate they came up with was... Surprise, the, Georgetown's best player of all time, who's you know, was coaching, and so he definitely was you know, in the mix, he earned that he was more NBA. But when I read the whole thing, and you know, at times there's quotes out there that you know, this wasn't Big John's call and all these things, and I don't think anyone really believed that. But to see that written in here, that to me is probably the biggest sentence, the biggest line for people that want to change or they want different things is if that's how Georgetown did this, they really haven't had a legitimate coaching search. Since they hired Big John, right?
1: Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt there. I, I think we knew that the the, the reason Ewing was was tabbed was because of the relationship with Thompson. I will say that one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to is that I hope Lee Reed gets a shot um, to be involved in the mix of, of picking a, a, the head coach. I mean, my experience with Lee is that uh, he, he's 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 straight up. Um, he's he's really good at what he does. I mean, he's transformed the The soccer program is arguably the best in the country. Uh, the lacrosse is right up there too. I, mean, I don't think a, he made that higher though. But whatever. I mean, under, under his watch, right? Okay. And, and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the campus, the campus itself, from a facility standpoint, um, ha, has been transformed. I mean, it's really nice now. That soccer field, the football field, and, and whatnot. I think he he deserves a chance to to go through this 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 coaching search um, or or lead it. Um, of course, we're talking about something that hasn't exist that doesn't exist. But but I would like to see him at least have a say. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, the that, that Ewing
0: hire was driven by Thompson and Dejoya Guys, are there are there any other things I'm missing from this? E- I mean, there's a lot. Obviously, we could probably talk for three hours about it. But that was the, my main takeaway. I, again, I, I thought Ewing came across as sympathetic. Do you guys have anything more before we start going to some Twitter questions? I guess which we have like a thousand of.
2: Just, I, I do think he is sympathetic. I sympathize with his struggles because, in a way, I, I just can't help but feel that he was set up to fail. Gander said the same staff has been in place for five years. Um, same three assistants, same director of basketball ops, who was on his phone during the game last night, which is usually a position for a young 25 hungry up-and-comer with a lot of turnover rate in that position, and it's the same guy for five years. It's just he needed to be surrounded by the right people and i i just don't think it's happened and it's unfortunate
1: yeah i mean on on that note i I don't even know there are like three or four people behind the bench i don't even know who they are like i mean (laughs) i don't i don't know not only who they are but what value they're adding to to the the program well Um, and
2: that's you know to build up some goodwill with the fan base whoever this i guess he was a video coordinator now he's sitting next to you on the bench maybe a press release saying hey this guy comes from so-and-so he's his background (laughs) is in this just say okay well this makes sense maybe he's offensive driven defensive driven this sounds like something that could help the program instead we don't even know his name it's i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of nuts
0: yeah uh Completely not a big deal. But for me, in this article, which I actually printed out, I'm sure you know people younger than me don't even have printers at their house, but I do. I couldn't help but chuckle at a couple of the things that when you're so into the weeds like we are, and you see things written down, the idea that Chris Wright made the article, which is so interesting because Dog Talk has become a pretty big force itself. Um, he gets mentioned because he was the last Gatorade player of the year. I wouldn't have guessed if I had to guess you know, who was going to make this article that Chris Wright would have made it he did and also (laughs) I thought pointing out that Jamari Sibley and TJ Berger transferred (laughs) I mean I know they're part of the transfers but you know the only guy that transferred last year that you have to say is a problem of something larger is Kudus Wahab right because he should have been your focal point usually teams like Georgetown don't have their stars transfer um that just kind of to me to me was sort of chuckling, and then if I'm a St. Joe's fan that stumbled across this article and I get lumped in with Dartmouth as bad teams that Georgetown lost to, I'm probably feeling I'm probably feeling some kind of way. But those are only just little minutia that I found to be like what in the world is going on here, Andrew? Did you want to start with the questions? Oh, also, can we say real quick? I know Thompson's towel took it down, but they did have a spoof off of a Gerald Ford uh, cover of the New York Daily News in relation to his message to the fans. I thought it was funny. I couldn't believe anyone over there would have that reference. I guess now we're just getting to all the things that kind of made me chuckle yesterday.
1: Um, If I'm looking at some of the questions, and and we we have a lot and we'll probably need to do a separate pod to address all of these. let me just grab one right here from, um, at and D Practice. And this guy does a good job uh, on Twitter. Uh, generally he's, he's, you know, adding the AD a lot with things that the program could do better, um, vis-a-vis social media and, and fan engagement and such. But, uh, a common take seems to be that we'd be a much better team with Wahab in the fold or even Trey King. How do you balance judging Ewing's performance with the team on the court against the fact that um you know the decision making of 220 year olds could have made this all different i mean i guess what he's getting at is if we had wahab and or trey king would would the team that's on the floor be producing different results go ahead nolan
2: given wahab's here at maryland it's i i don't know maybe you're better than butler i i don't know if i could argue this group any higher than that it's and that was an unfortunate loss. It, I mean, it left, left just a massive hole in the middle, and we've seen that play out. We're trying to find a solution there, and none of the three are really built to step into that this year. So, it, it, I mean, it's a big loss, but the way things have gone, I really on both sides, on his at Maryland and what's happening here, it, I, I don't know if it really moves the needle a ton.
1: Um at thorny 87 how much blame should be put on the administration versus Ewing for the current situation this refers to both on-court product but also in-person product engagement but i think we 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 discussed a lot of this to be honest i I don't know how much input the administration even has um, or or impact the administration would even have if they approached the basketball department uh, with anything at this point i think that was different in the jt3 era uh, I think there was a lot of fan engagement. I mean, we changed the, we changed the court <laughs> at, at, at cap one, uh, you know, adding Kenty to it. Uh, it seemed like JT three was receptive to a lot of things that the fans wanted to do. I, I don't see any of that going on um,
0: in the Ewing era unless I'm missing something. I think, and I know people are probably tired of hearing about this, but I thought one of the first signs and it was kind of his first, you know, stamp on the program outside of recruiting which, you know, he got in there, you know, late. So, you know, did a pretty good job with Pickett and Blair. But uh, the first schedule that came out, that was basically the worst schedule Ken Palm had ever seen. And I, I think right off the bat, that is where someone, probably your AD, maybe someone else in whatever infrastructure you have, your chief of staff, I don't know, it is says, hey, you know what? I get why you want this to be your schedule. I totally get it. But here's the deal it can't be. So, instead of having like all of ice cream for dinner, we're going to have some ice cream after dinner, but you're going to have to do things like play in Phil Knight's tournament, for example, where you were you were replaced by DePaul. And I thought that was the first example of like, wow, where is the support from an administration that you know, you've got a guy that's been in the NBA, and then there's a million things that you have to do. I think uh, Medcalf refers to it as, you know, running a Fortune 500 company. That there's just so many moving pieces to, you know, um, what's supposed to be a top-notch basketball program that spends like a top-notch basketball program. And you know, I know it could be just, you know, Bobby's nitpicking forever about that schedule, and the schedules have gotten better. But I thought that was the first glimpse of what we saw of a lack of, you know, hey. I know you want to do this, but you need to do a little bit. You can't do completely that. And I, I thought but, that was the first example.
2: Yeah, for me, I mean, the lines get blurred for me because him just stepping in in the first year. Did somebody pull him aside and say, "Hey, take the easy route here, like build up some confidence"? Where, I mean, where did that come from? And just knowing how much of a competitor he is, it that schedule kind of took me back. And I was just surprised he went that soft with it, and it just made me think, okay, maybe that direction didn't necessarily come from him.
1: Um, I don't know if okay. it's our
2: Atlantic Time commentator who helped him with that, or or what it is. Well,
1: uh, well then, and that's a that's a nice segue. Uh, at at Hoya follow up question: What is the current position and role for Ron Thompson? Is he still the acting chief of staff for the program, while also doing play-by-play commentary
0: for basketball games? Bobby, Um, I will say that I'm working on that. Um, You know, (laughs) going back to 2017, John Rothstein, who I don't necessarily find him to be all that interesting or charming or funny, but he did. He's got stuff out there that you know. Ronnie's the chief of staff now. If you go to the website, you can't find him listed. Okay, Um, he's visibly around the team on most game days, and if you are a nerd like me and you analyze every picture that comes out of that place, sometimes you'll see him in the background at practices and things. So um, I don't think that there's an official answer on that yet, but I think it's clear that he's involved somehow.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Let me choose this one, because I think this is really the one that everyone wants your opinions on. Uh, This is from our guy at Over the Hilltop. How likely do you think it is that Ewing does not remain as head coach after this year? If there's likely to be a new coach, what qualities would you think are most essential for that new coach to be successful? Let's, let's tackle the first part of that question. I mean, if you had to guess here on January 26, 2022, whether Ewing is the coach game one next season, uh, Nolan, what do you think? The way it's trended this
2: week, I'm not convinced he's even the coach in New York for the Big East tournament. It just feels like this is really snowballed. And that's probably an overreaction. But as far as next year, I, it, it would be hard for me to see that you can just run this back again. And if he was back, you'd have to make major changes that I'm not sure he would be willing to do um, with his staff.
1: Bobby? Do you want to go first? <laughs> sure uh i think he, he gets the season the remainder of the season unless at some point he just says I'm, I'm fed up with with all this i just don't want to deal with that anymore um and i'd be totally fine with that and you know wish him well i mean again it's patrick ewing he's uh he is the georgetown program so um we knew when he was hired that this would only end badly Likely um, similar to the way Chris Mullen left St. John's, but Ewing still has the chance to kind of go out on on his terms rather than being forced out, which would be ugly for everyone involved. Um, so I'm um, just I do think he'll he'll get the Big East tournament and get to finish out in, in MSG, uh, the home away from home, so to speak. But I would think that he would not be the head coach um, for Georgetown. Probably by April
0: 1st. It's my sister's birthday. What are your uh, thoughts, Bobby? My my thoughts are that you remember when Esrick said, you know, I'm going to be here another 30 years, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I think he meant that. And I don't think we're going to hear Patrick say something like that, but Patrick's only leaving if Patrick wants to leave. You know, Joya sure. D- and Lee Reed were not getting rid of JT3. Right. It it took a board and all these things that happened. That's not happening here. And I, I just, I think he'll be coaching next year. And it's, I mean, day by day, it's harder to see that because the walls are kind of closing in. Like they're, they're not just sort of like bad, like they're going to, like, I thought they'd go five and 15, which is not just like historically awful, but a lot of things right now, like this is their worst start in the big East. They've got the worst defense of all time you know, all these things are happening, right? I, I just think, I just think of, you know, my days growing up liking the Knicks because of Patrick Ewing and he was such a warrior. And then even then watching him play with those bad knees in Orlando and Seattle, man, I, I can't see him walking away. I really can't, but I, I can't see it coming back. You can't bring back the whole the whole band for, for year six. And where this does get tricky, and this is the question that needs to get asked starting in February, is, if he hasn't had an extension yet, he's going to need an extension, and that I think is the most interesting part of this is because even though it's Patrick Ewing, they can't give him like a five-year extension, right? I mean, we're talking two years with like an option, or I mean, that 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 that's where for me it gets. I don't. I don't think he's going to quit before next year. Well, you know? if,
1: if if he if he has that that six-year deal that was mentioned, I think in the in the MedCap piece as well, then he's got one more year left. Yeah, but You don't you think,
0: can't, you can't, you can't coach on that.
1: Right. I get it. And so, and I don't think he gets extended. I, I
0: okay.
1: think that there's enough noise out there now, um, especially with people who, who both care and have money that even though it's Patrick Ewing, they're not going to agree to some sort of extension. I mean, there just hasn't been enough improvement and there's too much negative stuff out there right now in January to warrant any extension moving forward. Um, but let's say that he is not the head coach. And again, it's, again, it's early. Um, Nolan, are there any prospective names that that you think would would be a good fit for Georgetown? I mean, obviously there there have been some big names thrown out there to take over for Louisville. I mean, I don't think Georgetown you know knocks on someone like Bruce Pearl or anything like that. But who who are some guys that that you would target, assuming that there is an opening for Georgetown? Well, I think to relate back to the – I think it was the
2: second half of that question is what qualities would you want? And I think you would Mm -hmm. need somebody who could hit an opening press conference out of the park. Um, You know, whether that's a young guy or if it's an established veteran, if they want to commit the resources and the money that would be needed to – you know, part of me thinks we would need to have an established high major coach who has done it. Um, It's just financially, could they make that sort of commitment? You know, me me and Bobby have talked about a young guy like Kim English, who you're not going to have a guy who would win a press conference as much as he would. Um, And I don't know if that would be the guy or not, but someone like him who can really just add a lot of juice to the program um, and his outreach to the fans. You know, I think one of the things a new coach at Georgetown should do after the opening presser is have a town hall and hear from the fans and hear what we've struggled with and been frustrated with and ways the program can improve just beyond the on-court product because that is a big deal of it um whoever the new coach is so somebody like him I mean if you could tell me they had the money to go spend and attract a high major coach I would poke around at guys like Steve Forbes at Wake Forest see what his buyout is Wes Miller at Cincinnati Um, So I don't think you have to be resigned just to the idea of we have to go get this 35-year-old young guy um, just because it's on the cheap. So if the money is there, I I would prefer to go to the established route.
0: Well, I'm going to take this back to Chris Mack, but in a little bit of a different way in that now that Xavier has gone through since I've been paying attention, I think this might be their third or fourth conference A school like that, that you're, you know, Georgetown's got a lot more in common with Xavier's athletic department than Syracuse, right? And, you know, Xavier, I guess, you know, Travis Steele, we're still sort of unsure what's going on there, right? But, like, they've had a lot of really good coaches. You know, Butler's kind of been the same way. Dayton's been the same way. Those are kind of your peers, even though those are, you know, considered mid-majors, at least until recently, based on conference affiliation. And try and figure out what is it that they were doing to keep going through coaches. Because if you do get a Kim English type guy, like a younger guy, you know, Georgetown's probably not your last job. And that's something that you probably might have to come to grips with. They haven't had a coach. I know like in the 90s, I think maybe the Denver Nuggets were flirting with uh, Big John as being uh, a coach and a GM, you know. But, you know, Esherick wasn't going to leave. JT3 wasn't going to leave. And, uh, you know, I don't think Patrick would leave unless maybe, you know, Dolan came with, you know, who knows how much money. So I think you might need to just figure out, who, you know, and be honest with who you really are, you know, because there's other jobs. You know, Xavier, their coach, left for another conference. Uh, Butler's coach is left for another conference. Um, you know, Jay Wright probably wouldn't do it unless it's the NBA. But you need to sort of be honest with yourself and figure out who's realistic. What are we about? Because they haven't had to do that. You know, and I think that's probably more important than maybe even the actual coach is figuring out like like who we are and how does that fit for us rather than just say, Oh, let's do a one year rental of patino, which by the way I would not be against. But you 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 know what I mean? Yeah. Like you need to figure out what the hell you are and then figure out who fits that best. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, I think these are certainly conversations that the three of us and everyone else in the Hawaii universe will will be having. Uh, as we move forward, um but unfortunately, it looks like uh, I mean, I don't see any room I don't see the way things are going to improve at all uh, as far as the team play goes. Um, i'm I'm hoping that they can pull off a win or two just to save us from the embarrassment of going winless in, in the well, conference. look,
0: let's be um, honest, not us, the players,
1: sure, sure. and 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 that's that's a good point. I mean that that's a good point. I mean, ultimately, it's 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 those guys and that that's a really good point because they shouldn't be left out of this i mean no one wants to win more than they do right um and you know they're they're going out there they're giving it 110 percent every game um and uh that you know they should be commended for that for sure did you have any more me
0: yeah any more questions (laughs) or is this it for today's oh no
1: i mean i think i think you know there's there's some other questions on there, but I think we should um address those separately, perhaps for the for the next one
0: can we Can we get Nolan real quick to talk about mm-hmm. some stuff that happened on the court and what we might see going forward? I got two since I know nolan's a really good really good basketball mm-hmm. mind here. When are you ready to see more Tyler beard and how happy were you that we actually did get to see Ryan last night?
2: I, I would like to see Ryan play more. I, I just think the two upperclassmen there at center, I, unfortunately, it kind of looks like they are what they are. And Ryan needs a full like off-season weight room, the whole thing, just to get up to speed. But you might as well throw him in the fire at this point. Um, I think certainly you can see more offensive skill out of him than the other two. I think Tyler Beards looked pretty good every time he's gotten a chance. I, I do think Patrick is loyal to Dante, and I think for good reason. I think he's at a sophomore slump, which he's been banged up, and it just hasn't gone his way. I think he's tried to do a little too much this year. Um, and I kind of like when Tyler and Dante share the court and play together. It's just – yeah, it, it feels like they're in a catch-22, um, like with Kate and Rice. Um, you kind of have to play him because he's such a good shooter, and without him you really only have Don out there. but the flip side of that is, is defense. I mean, people have talked about it enough. I don't have to go into it, but, um, but I, I think Tyler Beard, you need to, you know, if the whole idea of the season is, if you're going to be around next year is creating that bridge in the next season with this freshman class, it's, it probably is time
1: to give these guys a little bit more time. And And the name that we haven't talked about, it, throughout this podcast, at least, has been you know I Amina mean Muhammad. I mean, obviously, he's been the the, the bright spot of the, the entire season for the, the whole program. Is he around next year? I mean, clearly, Ewing's presence um, as, as our coach was was a big factor in Muhammad's coming to Georgetown. It seems, um, at least from what uh, what his guy is, is saying on Twitter. I mean, into his credit, I mean, he's he gets, or 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 discredit as he gets engaged with, with with fans a lot on, on Twitter. Um, but I, I wonder whether if Georgetown has a coaching change, whether that um, also would mean uh, Aminu looks elsewhere for for next season. Uh,
0: without getting into a ton of speculation, I always looked at Aminu Muhammad as probably a one-year player for Georgetown. Hmm. Yes, yeah, I I would agree. That's and, interesting. I mean,
1: I I, I thought actually before the season that that he wouldn't be a one year player. I think his play on the court has perhaps swayed me otherwise. I mean, he's he's better than I thought he'd be from an all around perspective, and I think he can he can play at the next level for sure. Um, but I thought he'd at least be a two year
0: player for us. I think too. I think a lot of credit to Aminu in the game that he struggled. Was that the was that I don't have all the box scores. Was that the Marquette game? or was it the Butler game where he was like two for 16? Butler. Yeah, <laughs> I think his maturity and bounce back to recover from that and to play smarter, you know, I I think he's shown a lot. I mean, he's a, he's a really good defender and I think he's got a, you know, I think, I think, Orr mentioned it one of the games that, you know, he was, he was the acting coach, just how smart of an IQ he has. I, I think you know. I think you're right, Andrew, for bringing him up before we're done with this podcast. He has been just really a great, just a great addition for them, a great player. And again, I think a lot of freshmen could have that that sh- that poor shooting performance. Everyone focuses on points and shooting. Could have really sent a normal freshman into a tailspin, and he's he's bounced right back. And just he looks very, to me, for the most part, very mature on the court.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the tape from the the Syracuse game alone. Um, it is enough in my mind to be pretty sure about his ability to succeed at the, at the next level. Oh yeah. So Have, uh, anything else, or do we want to regroup in a, <laughs> a week or so and talk about the same thing?
0: I think we got to <laughs> we got to see some more. And I think that uh, I'll say this, and I know it's not what everybody wants to see, but look, if Providence was off to this kind of start, or if Seton Hall, you know schools in the beast that have unfortunately passed and left Georgetown to the most part, Mm -hmm. if if the same things were happening there, they would not be the lead story on ESPN.com. And I know Patrick's probably a big part of that, but even if it's not Patrick Ewing, I do think Georgetown still, you know, we saw it last March. I still, you know, this is, even though it's bad, Georgetown still matters. And once they stop mattering, that's when everything goes to shit. Right. So, yeah.
1: And, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things that came up in the Washington Post piece was um, you know she used the word apathy a lot to describe the fan base and and I completely disagree with that. I think the fact that you know look this podcast is just three people but you see it on Twitter you see it pretty much everywhere um, that the fans do care and um, I don't think student attendance is um, you know a good representative of that at, at games. I think. That, um, you know, we are here and
0: uh, everyone wants what's good for the program at the end of the day. Yeah, and student attendance has been pretty good. It's the people, like yep. I used to be a season ticket holder. And I look back up where I used to sit because it's right, it's right behind where I sit now. And I don't see a lot of faces I remember anymore. I had tickets from Esherix last year, which was oh three oh four until... I started doing this in 2010. So I, had, you know, and but I, I, I kept them and I would, you know, just give them to friends or whatever. I don't have them anymore. But I think it's the people like me that were going. And, you know, I'm not even an alum. But I think those are the people you need to try and bring back. The students, I think, have actually done a good job. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Any parting shots, Nolan? Uh, what's your final record in the Big East prediction? Before the season, I had five and 15. I don't think they're going to make the Xavier game up. Look, they're not going to go winless, but man, it's hard to pick them to win more than two. It's Yeah, I mean, the Saturday is one of them you might be able to get.
2: Once you get past that, the Paul home game, <laughs> I guess if, if I had to sudden over-under, I'd probably make it two and
0: a half, and I'd probably take the under. Yeah. Fun. Well, for more <laughs> uplifting <laughs> coverage of your favorite basketball team, you can... Subscribe to Kente Corner if you haven't already done so. It helps us out a lot, and it means you will get all the episodes when they come without even having to look at my stupid Twitter feed, which is at Bobby Bancroft. Andrew is at Casual Hoya, and we've got at Nationwide Nolan. Guys, I can't wait to do this again. (laughs) All right, guys.
2: Thanks, guys.